Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hello, and welcome to the 101st edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, a conversation between woodworkers. Uh, I'm Sean uh, of the Workshop. I had to make sure. And over there, the guy that just butt in was Diami of the Penalta Workshop. And our guest today is Allie Shore. How's everybody doing? (laughs) Sorry, I walked on you. Hi, Allie. Hi. Hello. (laughs) So what's been going on, Diami? Um, well, to jump right into what's going on in my shop, I'm trying to think. I believe last time we recorded, which was about a month ago, and I apologize for the delay. That was entirely me. I went away and then was just very busy. But um, we're back to our regular schedule. And in that time, I think all I've managed to do is clean my shop. I'm pretty sure that the uh, the crosses and rooster I had to make were done last time we recorded. And yeah, what? No, I don't remember talking about it. I remember seeing it, and I wanted to talk to you about it. Okay. I was going. I was going to ask you, where did that project come from? And was Was that your question too, Ali? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just a little side project I did for work. Uh, okay. You know, I sell commercial roofing, and the diocese is my biggest customer, and. Uh, we were working on a church and had to replace the two crosses. And I am not Catholic enough to understand this, but uh, the, the the father wanted a rooster. And his explanation to me was that it would make the parishioners think. So wow, I made a rooster. Um, and make everything them- ended up being clad in copper. So the woodworking wasn't all that fancy, but the crosses were made out of uh, six layers of one by six oak, all like woven together in a back and forth pattern, and then uh, and then the rooster was made of six layers of half inch Baltic or three quarter inch Baltic birch, and each each one was pattern routed after the last after the last after the last. It was an entire day of pattern routing, which was delightful. Mm. Um, but they they came out nice, and uh, and that was that left my shop in absolute utter disarray because I couldn't even tell you what I was working on before that. But it was three big projects all back to back in a t- very tight time frame with no cleanup in between any of them. So I came in the shop for the first time in a couple of weeks yesterday, having been away, and there wasn't a surface, including the floor, that you could see. So <laughs> I I cleaned off my table saw, I cleaned off my miter saw bench, I cleaned off my workbench, I cleaned out my lumber rack, um, and just, just organized the whole thing. All I have left to do is I have a bunch of lumber on the floor that has to go up in the lumber rack, and then it'll it'll be done, and I can get back into another project. And off the top of my head, I'm not sure what that's going to be, but I think it'll be uh, finally some bookshelves for downstairs. Uh, yeah, we talked about that a while back. Mm. Going to get to it, huh? It seems to be about time. But yeah, understand. Uh, not a whole lot of actual making, but a whole lot of planning. I've mentioned before. I got a, a buddy of mine that wants me to make him a table. Uh, uh, in the in the the thread of what Mark did with his uh, gaming table that converts to a dining surface, okay. Um, so it's basically like a table with a pocket underneath it that's felt covered for tabletop gaming, kind of like what uh, um, who is it? Uh, Will Wheaton and his show does. If you've ever watched tabletop, it's a, there's a mm-hmm. video thing. Yeah, of it. yeah. 
So that, that kind of thing, but trying to make it work with some existing and a, a bit of an old table that his family had and then working around it. So there's a lot of, a lot of sketch and drawn measuring going on with that one. That's, that's really it, unfortunately. And then the, the, I've mentioned before too, the home, home edition that has talked to a builder today. That's still in those planning stages as well. Oh, that's right. That's right. Your, did you work out your rafter issue? I think so. I think it's it's pretty basic. I've just got to I've got to move the ridge back where the addition's going to be as wide as it is. Shove it back and extend the pitch to meet it. It, it might look funky, but it's, it's I think it's the simplest way of doing it. It won't actually look that bad. It's just going to be different than what it was because it was a nice, quaint, shallow hip roof before. Now it's going to be like a two level thing. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. will that only allow your family enough room to live comfortably, or will it actually afford you more shop space? Mm, so, the long game, it might afford more shop space because we're moving laundry upstairs. Which oh, means I, I thought you were going to say because ultimately your kids will move out. Well, that's going to happen <laughs> eventually, too. Um but the plan, it, it, that's basically going to be mud and laundry room, master suite, and then an extended kitchen into a dining area, okay. um, a la 800 square feet worth of that. Um, but what that does is moves the laundry, like I said, out of the basement, and then I mean some storage can shift around, and yeah, there's a potential. And yeah, then whatever happens, maybe, maybe this whole, where I'm at is like my kid's gaming area. Mm-hmm. One of my kids is going to get our master bedroom now, which is like a 12 by 17 room, which is a big for any wow, kid. Wow, you live like a king. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a thousand square foot house. I mean, it's a big piece of that slice, or a piece of that pie, but beyond that, uh, I spend very little time there, other than when I'm sleeping. Anyway. So uh, the the house will make things generally more uh, hospitable to your your family, and then oh, yeah. with any luck, it'll clear some crap out of your space, and you could buy some big power tools. Eh, maybe no, probably not. Come on, I'm sure it's going to come in under budget. I mean, might we'll see. It's all uh, talking to the guy today. He's like, "Yeah, we do all this. We do all this." And I said, "You know, I've I've got a track record of uh, building and framing and finishing and." He kind of, you know, scoffed it off, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually do my best and not be involved in it. I would, I would so definitely easier. recommend that. I will tell you, as a contractor, the home, the, <laughs> the customers who think they know what they're doing are generally not the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll plan as much as I can, and, and who knows? The fact that it's, it's, it's an addition. It's on site. We're gonna be living here the entire time. You know, it's. I won't be able to stay away, but exactly. And ultimately, whether you whether the contractor thinks you're a jerk or not, it is your house. You have to stay yeah. with it when he leaves. So it make is. sure you do like what they do. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That is uh-huh. the plan. So, Allie, I think you may be the one actually doing the most work right now. What's going on in your shop? Oh God, I've got about ten projects going on all at once. But the newest one, the one that I'm having fun with, is uh, I do a lot of work with a local theater here in, in Maui and uh, they're doing a period piece that's set in like the late 60s and the main set is a bachelor pad like an old you know think madman mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and the director got obsessed with wanting one of those old bars that you used to see you know like that real sick late 60s early 70s looking bar in his apartment and so I did a sketch for him, and it's like uh, it's almost a half circle okay. kind of thing. So it's um, the front is 
And it's so funny when you go to buy wood and I'm like, does anybody still sell that really crappy stuff you used to panel your, your living room, your, you know, your, your den with in the seventh? You remember paneling? Mm-hmm. Because that's what I have to recreate. The front of it is a curved piece like that. And then above the shelf there, I'm doing a piece of plexiglass that you see through and it'll be lit. So it has this kind of what they thought was modern and futuristic mm-hmm. looking. And this, <laughs> So I'm building this thing right now and that's keeping me pretty darn busy. If it's for um, the theater, I'm assuming there's a deadline on it? Yeah, there's always a deadline. Um, I'll have it finished by the end of the week. Okay. Uh, but the tough part is when you're building for your theater, it's a completely different kind of furniture build. Because mm-hmm. I, keep, I keep forgetting this isn't real furniture. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it just has to look good on stage. You know, it's and, a, and only from one side. Yes, exactly. It has to look good for one side on stage. And if, and if they can't see it from the fifth row, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm sitting here like I'm edge banding and I'm going to be painting. That's the funny part. I'm going to be painting most of it and I'm still edge banding it so that the paint will look right. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. nobody's going to see that. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to let go of like the things you know you want to do. It, it it really is. It really, yeah. really is. Now, yeah. is this? I understand that it only needs to meet that criteria of it looking good from the the theater. But is it the kind of thing where you'll build it so that it lasts for generations? As this time period is so popular in theater, or will you take yeah. it home when you're done, or will it just be unfortunately a disposable piece? Um, I'm hoping this will be one of the pieces they'll keep. I built a bunch of things for them over the years. You know. Uh, I, they tend to come to me when they have like props they can't find. Mm-hmm. Like they needed a period um, camera, one of those old flash, you know, the big box cameras that the guy would hide underneath the cloth. And uh-huh. then, so I built one of those for them. That's still, they've used it three times now. You know, I built it a couple of years ago and it keeps showing up in shows. Um, it's real fun because every now and then I'll go see a show at a different theater because we all share. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, oh, I built that like two mm. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So this will definitely be one that they'll probably keep. So I try to I try to build it well enough that it can be kept. If I know it's going to be used just for this show or just, you know, it's just too obscure prop, I'll build it good. But never like crazy, you know, I'm not going to sit there and get into joinery at every angle. But, if, you know, unfortunately, you guys know, it's like if you're doing it, you want to do it right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, a struggle. But something like that, like you said, like it's, it's purpose built. It's, does, yeah. it's style is very specific. It, and it's not like <clears throat> I used to do theater. I used to perform and then I, I worked on some crews and um you know, we use a lot of walls, a lot of platforms, because those can be painted over and reused. But if you've got exactly. something like a curved form, that it's going to stick in a corner, it's going to be a bar, and it's only going to be a bar. Yep, so. and it's hard <laughs> to store, and it's hard to store because it's round, it's not square. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right so, but they'll probably keep it for some, for a while. But it's, I know it won't last because I'm using plexiglass for the curved glass part. Mm-hmm. Well, unless they cover it and protect it, it's going to get scratched up and, you know... But it all depends, you know, and, and it's so funny because when you work with the director, the first question I'm asking is, is this a permanent set? Does it move? Does it have to come on and off? Because you build it differently. Right. If, you, right. if you know that if they have to carry it off and lift it or roll it around, it's, you know, but they said, nope, once it's there, it's there. I went, okie dokie. <laughs> we talked about, and I do absolutely understand the struggle to not overbuild it because that would be any yeah. woodworker's inclination. Um, but do you ever challenge yourself by 
trying to underbuild it, like make it the least viable product so that the inside is completely hollow or there's, you know, like so that, you know, to trick people almost so that it looks like something from the outside, but it's radically underbuilt or whatever on the inside. I just did a whole show like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've done entire shows that way, you know, where it looks, I just did a spam a lot. Yes, I, and, I saw. Yeah. And, but I designed the set for that and I wanted these massive looking walls and these massive looking, you know, um, turrets and castles. But, you know, if you walked behind it, you'd be like, oh my, look, there's nothing, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, and I've done things, but I've done that with furniture as well. Pieces that I'm like, Look, I know all it has to do is stand in a corner and never even get touched. It doesn't even get used. It's sort of a backdrop piece. Mm-hmm. You know, and I built it out of like Luan and one by three. Uh-huh. I was, was going to say suggesting that's not quality construction. Yeah, I'm, I'm suggesting the beauty of Luan and, and one by three is that one person can pick it up with one hand, <laughs> carry it off stage, and carry it back on, and it looks like a big desk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as long as no one has to sit in it or use it, but, you know, it's all, that's why you always have to know, how is it being used? If it has to be practical on stage, then it has to be built to work. Right. But I, you'd mentioned that there were approximately 10 active projects in your shop right now. Are, are you working on anything really currently besides the bar, or are you going to be wholly bar-focused until it goes out the door later this week? Oh, no, I've been going back and forth. I did, I think I posted on Twitter. We decided we needed to redo the, the garden. Why? I don't know. She wanted raised garden beds. So I had to engineer and build four 10 foot by 10 foot square garden beds that are all kind of mortised together. So like big two by 12s that slide into um, posts that then go into the ground and nothing super fancy, but hey, had to be, you know, stuff had to be milled and cut and done. So that was, took a couple of days away from that project the worst part of that was digging the holes how far did you set them i kept saying we live in hawaii there's no frost there's no frost line here um (laughs) but we she wanted them two feet down so 20 so 20 holes two feet down each it was yeah it was a lot of digging (laughs) yes basically yeah yes it was basically the same construction idea too except that in order to you know the way i did it was i kind of just did um I cut um, mortises in all the uprights that the the two by twelves could slide down into mm-hmm. once we had it placed in. So I've got that going on. I'm doing um, some boxes as a gift for my mom because I'm going back to see her, and I got my hands on uh, some really old, hundred year old uh, avocado tree went down. Yeah, a friend of mine, and he's a sculptor and made amazing things. And I said, look, if you have an extra branch, let me know. And he gave me not, nothing huge, a little like uh, maybe 12, 12, 14-inch fat you know, branch. So I just boarded it out, and I'm letting it dry out. But it's real pretty, so I'm going to make some art boxes and stuff for my mom. And um, what else? I've got just lots of little projects like that going on. You know, people, I built a, a, a side table for a friend who wanted it to match a table I had done for them a while back. So it's just been, you know, that's a little stuff. And fixing stuff. Like I just had to fix my, I have a 30-year-old Porter Cable um, circular saw. Okay. That I love. Let me ask you a question. As an aficionado of Porter Cable circular saws, and up until DeWalt bought them and killed them, they were the best. 
Yes, they were. Um, that's why. That's why I still have this. It's a three fifty. 315-1. I don't, I don't know my model numbers, but I grew up using them from the time I was like 12 years yeah. old. Um, I There was an older model, I want to say vintage, late 80s, early 90s, that had, rather than pivoting, there was yes, a knob on the front and the down. bottom plate yep. from straight up and yep. down. That's what I've got. I love that saw. I do too. And the plate itself is solid steel. Yeah. It's not a pressed piece of anything. It is just a flat, solid piece. I mean, the thing weighs a ton. But yes, it's got the black knob in the front and it goes up and down. So you so had to repair it, you said, or restore it? Um, well, no, it's been using it for years and I was in the middle of a job and the trigger went out. <laughs> so for the finishing the job, which was really kind of, I will never do this again. And people, if you're listening, don't do this. I would literally have someone hold the plug and go, okay, plug it in. And they plug it in and I'd make the cut and go, unplug it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was stuck in the on position. Well, you know, so many would I, argue that's the better position to be stuck in. Yes, it was. Uh, I was except when it's turning on. Yes, but I was able to, at least exactly, I was able to finish the job, you know, because I was like, okay, just plug it in. Okay, the cut's done. Plug it out. Yeah. So, and what amazed me, they still sell the part. I, yeah. went, on, I went online and they don't have a lot of parts left for that, but they still had the trigger. Well, you're lucky because it was a wildly popular saw. Um, I don't know if you get into non-woodworking port-a-cable tools, but mm-hmm. same vintage, the port-a-cable right-angle drill, absolute best drill ever made by any company in any form or fashion. Um, I have two, and every time I take one out, I, I'll tweet about how this is the best tool ever. Um, I have two because they haven't made them in about 15 years, and I, whenever I see one used, I buy it because you just can't get them. And... Um, the point I'm getting at is the, the gearing mechanism that turns it into a, it turns it from a, a tiger saw, one of their sawzalls into a right angle drill with this gearing mechanism that goes at the head. Mm-hmm. And the first used one I bought, I had it for about two months and the gear, the, that worm drive gear went oh. and it took the, the, I, I'll continually call him a toolmonger, uh, the guy I buy my used <laughs> tools from, it took him about four months to find the gearing mechanism. And according to the guy he bought it from, it was the last one in the warehouse at Porta Cable because this was just around the time that they were being absorbed into DeWalt and their their back catalog of parts has just, it's non-existent anymore. So you're lucky that there's still a lot of those saws out there, a lot of parts on the shelf. Well, it's funny because when I ordered it, because again, when you live in Hawaii, everything is shipped Mm -hmm. and you're paying for shipping. So you always never order just one thing. So it's like, you know, as long as I'm ordering it, send me some extra brushes. You know, I just figured, eh, why they still have it on their shelf. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so, but um, yeah, it's funny that you say DeWalt and they kind of got absorbed and they're not quite what they used to be. Because it's always weird because I remember when DeWalt was the, wow, look at this quality coming out of, because when DeWalt came out of uh, Black & Decker, Yeah, DeWalt is owned by Black and & Decker. And they were like the quality. And then yeah. all of a sudden, they became Black & Decker. And you went, what the... Yeah. We're going getting a little tangential here, but what happened Sorry. was... No, 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 it's fine. I, we go in tangents all the time. Um, <laughs> DeWalt has been a subsidi- subsidiary of Black & Decker for a very, very long time. When Black & Decker bought Porta Cable Delta, Black & Decker says, we have DeWalt. DeWalt is our premium brand. So they took... Porta Cable, which was an absolute premium brand, and okay. put it in their opinion under DeWalt and above Black and Decker, which really turned it into crap. Okay. Yeah. Some of the tools are still very nice, but overall as a brand, it is nothing like what it used to be. Um, no, not at all. And then what happened was Stanley bought 
Black and Decker, and Stanley said, we don't know power tools. We just want to make money, and everything is cheap now. Yeah. Uh, some of the dual stuff is okay, but none, none of that entire family is anything close to what it used to be. Yeah. It's, I, you know, I'm not religious to any one tool brand. I buy the tool for the tool. I would absolutely agree. Yeah. Uh, my, my, you know, it's schizophrenic. Hand tools. I go everything from the small companies. Ooh, I got that. Um, oh, the guy from Australia. Vesper. Um, yes. Vesper. Oh, God, is that nice. I finally <laughs> remember when I ordered I, it. I do. You at, returned the Woodpecker's one, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> and I was like, I ordered it. And I finally got it. I'm like, oh, my God. This is amazing. It's just everything about it. It's so well made and the action and it. You tighten that little knob and that thing is rock solid. It's just really nice. <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> no, no, it's no. Weird. It's the reason why people you'll buy his stuff. Yeah, it's because it just you, it looks like similar to what else you can find, but you it just it's better. It's yeah, it's the reason for any premium brand. I mean, I, personally, I'm staring yeah. at a wall full of woodpecker <laughs> stuff. I think while not as handmade as Chris's, I think they're ultimately as good of uh, quality. Um, but woodpecker, Vesper, Lee Nielsen, Lee Valley. Dade, Scott Meeks, they're all this, you don't realize how nice it is until you, you hold it in your hand and you use yep. it. And it's an intangible thing t- for the most part, but you just, you know, it's quality and it just always works like it should. Yeah. I tell you what, at Woodwork, can we take another chance for two seconds? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. At Woodworking in America, I had just finished, before I came out there, probably a couple of months earlier, I had taken a class with a person I won't mention, but anyway, this person makes some of their own tools, and I had bought a saw from them, and I like it. It's a good saw. It's a dovetail saw. It's a nice saw. It has some nice weight. It works well, but the guys at Bad Axe put one of theirs in my hand, <laughs> and all I kept thinking was, oh, why did I just buy that saw? <laughs> <laughs> it was so nice, and then I guess they just got reviewed on that saw in either popular or fine woodworking loved it so now you're not gonna be able to get one <laughs> yeah I, i've never heard a bad thing about a bad axe so i've used them at the shows i don't own one I, yeah i can't personally i don't use that type of saw often enough to justify the expense but right if you use it i guess if you use it probably three times it's worth the expense it is that good a saw <laughs> yeah it's it that their dovetail saw was amazing so anyway sorry um, a little no, no problem so no it's fine while we'll get back to the other things that are in your shop and the types of stuff you like to make, Allie, Sean, you want to talk about a, a social media post that piqued your interest? Yeah, yes. I actually just saw this this evening, probably while I was eating dinner. Um, uh, Mark, the wood whisperer, linked a thing, and I looked all over. Usually there's cross-posting, but it seemed to only be on his Facebook page. So I put a link of that uh, to his Facebook page in our in our uh, show notes. Um, it. It's a video from uh, someone who knits, and there's a joke in there, obviously, with our community and and the Wood Talk community. But um, it's it's to the point, and he he prefaces it by saying this this very clearly you know explains pricing a handmade object, um, and it, it's a it's a woman. Uh, it's one of those. It's very much the style of the videos now, where there's music and action and text. So no one wants to talk anymore. It's much. It's easier to type. But she, she as she, you see this woman knitting, um, she explains that people look at this and you, you buy it at a store and 
or, or you, you, you buy it from somebody when it's handmade and you think it's expensive and, and she breaks it down by here's what the materials are. This is how long it took. This is what I'll sell it for. This is what my profit would be. Now divide that by the time I put it in and I'm making less than the minimum wage. So, and, and it ends by saying, look at, you know, don't, don't look just at what, it, what it's made of. It takes skill, knowledge, and time to make these things when they're handmade. Yeah, that is so and, and, true. That's, that's a big reason why I don't sell anything. Because I can't, <laughs> I can't bring myself to give it away, but um, qual- quality stuff is so time-consuming. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, it's sort of a friend of mine is a musician, and said, you know, when they get hired, they're like, well, I don't understand why it's five thousand dollars for four four guys to come for only three hours. Like three hours. There's hmm. two hours to get there, an hour to set up, an hour to break down. And then there's about 7,000 hours of practice so that we we can play the music that you like. Yeah. We didn't learn this song last night. Exactly. Yeah. So I I agree with him completely. I think that's, they completely undervalue uh, anything that's handmade, you know, that's crap. Yeah. Well, Well, you made it. It must be cheaper. Yeah. Well, I have (laughs) to tell you, it was like, it's, you mentioned, um, uh, Oh God, the, the the plane makers out in New England. Um, uh, oh, uh, Lee, Lee Nielsen. Lee Nielsen. Lee Nielsen. And the first time I bought a Lee Nielsen plane, I went three hundred fifty dollars. Oh my God, how am I going to? Jo-? Then I watched their video on how the plane was made, and after watching what went into doing it, you know what I thought? How deal. do they sell it? How no? How do they sell it for only three hundred fifty dollars? Yes, I don't know how they do it that cheap. No, yeah, I, mean, and I, know- I think the same way. I. I'll keep coming back to this because they're the maker I have the most knowledge of. But mm-hmm. the very first woodworking America I went to, I was there was a it was like the maker's dinner or whatever. On Thursday night, we got we got access to the the marketplace early. Um, so I spent about forty five minutes talking with the guys at Woodpeckers, and the the squares that they make they throw about a third of them out. <laughs> Um, because they'll, they'll mill these blanks of, of aluminum and some of them just, they bow and they cup and they wonk and it's just, they, they have such, it takes so long to mill one. They, I, I don't know, they go through like a, a cutter head per 10 or 12 of them. Like the, the consumables are incredibly expensive and just the waste rate ratio is off the chart. Like after I was done talking, I was like, and it's only $125. I'll take four. Like it was, it, it it completely changed my mind as you're talking about like the way watching the Lee Nielsen did a, a good, a good, anything, a good tool, a good piece of furniture, a good knitted something or other. Um, it takes so much time and knowledge that it's, it can't be reasonable. If you look at it and say, Oh, that's cheap. Then it's not a good thing. It's just, it can't be. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, and you know there is that you get what you pay for. Yeah, and it's and it's not, you know, at the, like the marketplace at WIA is where we get ex- we get exposed to a lot of these things. Um, and it like we, you mentioned before, if you until you get your hands on it, it doesn't make sense. You can look at a picture of it, and it's hard to justify. But it's it's the quality of these things, how they work, and and you know it's what what it takes to in the production process. It's it's. It's just truly impressive that people have made businesses out of these things successfully, especially a place like Lee Nielsen that started small and it's grown to, I don't know how many he employs, but that, I mean, that's an operation. That's not one guy in a shop anymore. 
and they continue to put out quality at at numbers and they're you know they're keeping their quality high they're keeping their standards high and the same goes for bad x and benchcraft and all these guys are super super high quality stuff that will run and work forever and is as classic as they've ever been it's just fantastic stuff absolutely i think that lee nielsen and lee valley and bad x is getting there i think should forgetting about woodworking and the quality of the tools and stuff they make they're just they have to be wonderful examples um of just business of how to make money at this this passion thing when you have an audience that's passionate about it and is willing to pay a premium but even that premium barely covers you know the the massive expense of making these things i'm not smart enough to know exactly what it is but there's got to be a a definitive business story there in terms of how to work with with scaling up production and and cater to a high-end niche audience yeah i also think they do something there's very few companies like this but they're definitely among them that the one thing they do that makes it a successful business is stand behind your product. Lee Nielsen, I will buy Lee Nielsen forever because when I had a problem or I tried a saw and I wasn't happy, it was not even a question. We'll take it back or we'll fix it or we'll replace it. Just mm-hmm. not even a question. No arguments at all. And yeah, that, that, that goes says a lot. And oh, yeah. Once you experience that, that once, you are a lifelong customer. Exactly. Although I do joke, there was somebody put up a meme the other day, and I thought, eh, it's kind of true, which is my greatest fear is that I die and my girlfriend sells all my tools for what I told her I paid. <laughs> you know? Uh, yes, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's not. <clears throat> all right. Let's um, not. Well, I think uh, I have the next item in the show notes. Go for um, it, man. We are coming up on... Woodworking in America 2016. As we record this, I believe we are currently five weeks away. Something to that is, effect. Is it even that? Is it? Maybe it's yeah, that's yeah, not, maybe, about five weeks. About five weeks. Um, it seems like it's too soon. Mm. Uh, I, I booked a flight, so now it's real. <laughs> See, <laughs> I, I can't say it's the fact that I booked a hotel room because I did that last. Yeah, you oh. did. You did that. I mean, I, I'm I'm grateful to you, Sean, but you did that really early. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I um, you know, no, I, I've run into problems before, so I wasn't going to miss that. If year to year, sometimes it's a real pain in the ass. Yeah, last I, year, I there was even... some other convention. What last year? The last time we were in Cincinnati, there was some other convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but there were, you know, women everywhere. <laughs> there were, um, there were, but it's uh, yeah. For, because of that location, it's a drive. It's not a question. I haven't paid attention to anything since because mm. once once I know where I'm, I'm laying my head down. I know well, I you can sent get in there. the uh, the uh, the badge application, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um. Anyway, at WIA, uh, having being a member of the I like to make stuff Facebook group, I know that they are doing some sort of a. I think it seems a little less defined than ours. I know I heard discussion about where they were going to do it. I think they're doing a pub crawl on Saturday and some sort of event maybe on Friday. You have to forgive me. I don't know the specifics. Um, but the one thing I do know the specifics of is that we, you, Sean, and I. Yes, sir. And the kind, wonderful, non-knitting folk over at Wood Talk, <laughs> Mark, Matt, and Shannon. The All three? All three. Oh, my God. Um, I believe it's all three. I, I know I Matt so and, Sha- 
and Shannon are teaching. So I'm assuming they're coming, and I've been talking with <laughs> Shannon about this. So I believe it is all three. Yes, it is. Yeah, in fact, as I refer to it, it is all three of them. So um, on Thursday night after uh, registration, that's the 15th, um, we will be having a meetup at the Christian Moreland Brewing Company. A uh, past guest, Keith Decent, who you should check out. He's a wonderful maker from upstate New York. Um, a good friend of his is involved in the management of Christian Borland. Maybe he's the brewer. I, I'm not intimate enough to know what the guy's position is, but has been a very helpful guy and hooked us up. Um, looks to be a really neat brewery, and we're going to have a meetup there on Thursday, September 15th from 5 to 7. And it'll probably go after that, but at 7 o'clock, they start with uh, pub trivia. And if you've hung out with us any previous year, we'll kind of play it by ear. Um, we may very well be there until midnight. We may go somewhere else, but certainly from 5 to 7, we will be there. No, from 5 to 8, I'm sorry. The, yeah, I was say, I thought it was 8. Yeah, the I've said to show up between 5 and 7, but the actual, the trivia starts at 8. And I can't promise that we will be there through the trivia. Um, yeah, I don't. I hadn't got no indication from him how busy his trivia nights are. Exactly, exactly. But you know, we're all on the the social webs. I'm sure if we go somewhere else, you'll know where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any event, when you get to WA, please head over to uh, Christian Moreland, and we'll see you over there. Should be a really nice time. I want to thank Shannon for coordinating on their end. Um, we were both kind of just bumming about how much work it is, and we've previously always set up at. Is it the lighthouse? What's the name of the Key, Keystone? Keystone. Thank you. Keystone. Mm-hmm. And Keystone changes the way they reserve events. And mm-hmm. it was cost prohibitive for us to go to Keystone this year. Um, so it was really nice. The guys, at Christian Moreland to let us come and uh, should be a really nice time. So that'll be on the 15th of September. And we've got on our website, there's a Facebook event and a Google plus event. So no matter which way you're following us, you should be able to get to all the information. And this is I because I don't quite remember. This is a food available there, or yes, are we yes, food bringing? and drink. Uh, everyone okay, pays so their own way, but it's uh, yeah. food and drink. Yep. Just making sure. Didn't know if we had a brown bag of lunch. <laughs> well, if we have to, we can always go over to the gaslight and get some mac and cheese. There you go. Actually, on the way up to where that place is, we'll probably pass a couple skylines and a few, I'm sure. Mm. And a fantastic pizza place that we were at last time we were down there. Anyway. You want to hit the next yeah. one? Absolutely. The uh, the Dusty Life Bench Build-Off is upcoming. Upcoming. Uh, actually, by the time this is released, it'll be going on, I think. I think it starts <clears throat> on on the 28th, if so, okay. I understand right. I could be wrong. And I'm on their website now trying to look at, for a page specifically dedicated to the Bench <laughs> Build-Off, and I don't see it. And I am a few episodes behind on that, so could you fill me in and well, everyone else? Well, um, I had heard of them talking about it before, and I know um, I know I I had heard them them speaking of it, um, but I didn't know that it was actually happening. What's the uh, what what's we're the talking beat? about is the Dusty Life podcast with Brian McCauley, Kyle Toth, and Sean Rubino, and they're okay. over at thedustylife.com. dot com. They put out, believe it or not, a weekly podcast about woodworking. Go figure. <laughs> um. They are having a bench build-off, which, again, I think it starts on the 28th of August, August, and it goes through September 18th because it ends the last day of WIA. Okay. So you can bring your bench to WIA and finish it there. Um, but what, they, <laughs> what they're doing is... From Hawaii. Well, 
I don't want to get it's too tangential. Um, what I, what they're doing is, uh, they want guys to build benches. I believe it's Sean of the bunch who is looking to build his own bench, and they got the idea to like share the whole thing. So they've got a ton of great, um, great sponsors who are giving away really nice, uh, stuff. yeah, really nice tools, and um, I know. Bearcats giving a, a dovetail saw. Yes, they've got uh, easy hole, uh, 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 easy dog hole kits. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, bench hooks from um, from Bad Axe. They've got a lot of nice stuff. Yeah, they've got uh, hand forged, <laughs> hand forged. Uh, yeah, from, fast set. Yeah, from Tim Deacon. Yeah, you'd think I'd have notes on this. I'm sorry, I, I'm drawing yeah. a complete blank. Yeah, from Deacon Woodworks. Yeah. Um, so in any event, what you have to do is just build a bench during that time frame, a woodworking bench. They don't want you to build like a shoe bench or something. Cause I tried, um, <laughs> and, and just share it with them. And they're not going to award any of these tools based on quality or design or anything. I mean, they, they want you to build a functional woodworking bench, but that's really all you have to do. And then just share it and be part of the community. And they're going to work out how they, uh, how they, I think they're going to randomly give away the prizes to everyone who builds, but they seem to still be kind of working that out. But um, just just listen to the podcast, and they'll talk about it, and you can uh, you can build a bench along. I have these weird desires to to build along, um, but I don't see how I can start building a bench in two days. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'd love to, but it's the same <laughs> same position. But yeah, check that out. Actually, I'll. I'll... I'll grab a link and I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, please do. Please do. Yep. And let me just touch on the last goings on in the MWA. Which I just saw. <laughs> our former co-host, Mr. Christopher Adkins, is officially an old man. I just want to stake that out there publicly. <laughs> in case there was ever any doubt, he is an old man. And it's just that simple. Well, I, I suppose I can elaborate that his oldest daughter is a senior in high school, but I really don't think yes. that needs to be said. I think it is. we can leave it just as Chris is an old man. Yeah, I actually have friends of, that graduated with me that have kids older than that, which is a uh, is astounding to think because my kids just my oldest is only in eighth grade and whew, no thanks. You're all old. <laughs> Whatever. Mine Whatever. Just started sixth. Mm-hmm. Oh well, you'll see. Yeah, oh, I will. <laughs> All right. So, Allie. Yeah, oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've been talking a whole lot, uh, you know, uh, we've already gotten kind of deep into what you've been working on, but let's talk more about you. Okay. Can I talk about two pet peeves? Oh, please do. Go for okay. it. This is just two things, and you guys can explain it to me. I am tired of watching a YouTube video with a woodworker with the table saw. And there's no damn dust anywhere. <laughs> I, I don't understand how they do this. I have a one and a half horsepower <laughs> dust collector. I have the overhead dust collection. I cut a two by four. It looks like a tree exploded. I mean, I don't. I <laughs> there's never any tropical wood you use. I'm telling you, there's never any dust. And whenever I look at someone's work and they pull out that, you know, the, 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 the milled up wood and it's perfect. There's not a nick. There's not a ding. Everything is, I'm like, I'm using nice tools, doing it slow. 
and I still never have it. And I'm like, are they buying the wood like that? <laughs> and I know it's just skill. But like when you watch Tom Diggin and you look, oh, my God, how does he get a finish on wood like that? Mm-hmm. I can't figure it out. But the, it's the dust collection that drives me nuts. I don't know how. There's never any dust coming off their wood. And I don't know how they do that. Sorry. It's no, just a little pain. It, I, you, uh, you clearly consume more woodworking YouTube videos than I do because I don't. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that being said, um, the only thing I, I share your dust issue. Um, I have reasonable, not as good as yours. Cause I know what type of table saw you have, but my, my dust collection for the saw I have is very good. Um, but that being said, there's still dust. Yeah, exactly. There's still dust. <laughs> I've used many a different saw with various types of dust collection. And I've never had one. I've never used one that had no dust. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of the results, I don't, I'm not willing to say that that's skill. I'm willing to say that's careful editing because uh, <laughs> while there are many people more skilled than I, all the ones I talk to, the first thing they'll do is admit to the mistakes they continue to make. And being a skilled word worker seems to mostly be learning and becoming better at dealing with those mistakes. Um, I said that I said this to someone yesterday. I said a good word worker doesn't mean you get it perfect. It means you know how to fix the mistake. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Um, so yeah, I, Sorry. I chalk one up to editing, but in terms of the dust, I don't know. How, I, I can't answer that. I, yeah, I know I, that when I would work on the podcast, it's dust free, but that's because it's audio. Yeah, <laughs> just talking about it. But no, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen the same, you know, a, a cut just right there. And you, you know, I've done the same thing and I don't have power tools here, but at my dad's shop and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm covered in a nice light sheen of dust, no matter what. No matter what. And uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Magic. It is magic. Anyway, sorry. So what else did you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I'm, I don't even know if this is where, where we want to go, but I'm just curious about you in, in a little bit. How did you find yourself in Maui? That's, that seems like a very remote place to be a woodworker, remote place to be. I mean, I know people live there, obviously, but did you grow up there or... No, um, honestly, uh, my partner and I had always talked about retiring here. We'd always loved it. We've traveled, we've come here for 20 years. She's Mm -hmm. a big, she's a big windsurfer. And so we just came for years and years and years. And she had always said, you know, I want to retire there. We'll find a place. So we always had our eyes open. And, uh, one weekend I couldn't find her, you know, because we lived on different coasts and I was calling and calling. I couldn't reach her. I finally reached her. I go, where the heck are you? She goes, Maui. I said, and why aren't I with you? She goes, well, I wanted to look at something. I didn't want to get your hopes up, so I just wanted to see if it was any good. I said, so? What did you see? She goes, a really nice place. I said, well, how nice? She goes, I bought it. I went, excuse me? (laughs) I said, excuse me? Uh, So she texted me one photo. I looked at it and went, I can live with that. Um, And then what happened? So it just kind of sped up our timeline. And we found ourselves coming out here, you know, two months on, two months off, two months on. And I finally woke up one day and said, screw it, I'm just going to go. I packed up everything and moved here, you know, and it closed, kind of closed up the business I was doing. And I haven't regretted it at all. It's, you know, it's a little more difficult to make ends meet, but it's wonderful. And the woodworking really came back when I moved here because I didn't have time for it on the mainland. 
I was too busy with business. And all of a sudden I was like, well, I don't have a lot of business to do, so let me start woodworking again. (laughs) And then from Sounds of the Theater stuff, you found stuff that you can woodwork and still be profitable. Right. And I'm also an actress, so I'm in the shows a lot. Oh, perfect. Yes. Yeah, so, and it was just one of those things where I would help out with the sets, and then they would say, "Oh, can you do this?" I went, "Yeah," and they, you know, so they would, so they just every now and then I get hired to do a couple. Of, they're not big dollars, but it's enough to you know pay a bill here and there. And you know what? It, there's, I highly recommend it if you if you can find a way to do it. I highly recommend it. <laughs> it's wonderful. And the oh, people I, are so talented. Oh, my God. Some of the best woodworkers I've ever seen live on this island. I mean, there's right. a guy. Oh, my God. There's a guy named Peter Narimore. If you ever look up his website, just amazing. You know, he's an older guy now, but he was on the cover of Fine Woodworking when he was 24. Wow. You know, yeah. So you've got these amazingly talented people here. So sometimes I just, like, go and look at their work and just think, huh, Wow. Someday. <laughs> how, how is the community there? Is it a tight-knit group where you can get in and you're, you're one of them? Or is it you're just an admirer of their furniture and they happen to live near you? That's Well, it's funny. There is the, uh, the, the Maui Woodworkers Guild. Um, but it kind of died about three and a half years ago, four years ago. And I reached out to some of these guys and said, what happened? And they said, honestly, and I've heard this happen before. They said the three or four guys who were running the thing found that they were teaching all the classes and they were doing all the work and people didn't join in. They just went to pick off of their knowledge. And I get that. You know, you reach your point where you go, well, you know. Why am I doing this? Right. So I'm hoping it will get picked up again. I've contacted a few of the people on the side who have said, yeah, come hang out. Come, you know. So they're very open and friendly. Mm. Um, but it's, it's not quite the community it used to be. I'd love to see it become that again. Well, if you ever want uh, some idiots to come out and guest speak who really don't know much about actual woodworking, we're available. <clears throat> don't laugh. I've been trying to talk people. And I, I was talking to uh, – oh, God. I'm going to get his name wrong because my brain is – don't get old, guys. It really sucks. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, oh, my God. I'll get it in a second. He, he writes for uh, fine woodworking and for popular woodworking. He's got the he does the publishing now. Um, I met I met him at WIA. He was hanging out with Roy. Um, oh, oh, Stumpy Nubs? No, no, no. Oh. The writer. Uh, oh my god. Uh, he was hanging out with Roy. Yeah, he Chris. He, he, Chris thank you. He never okay. wrote for fine woodworking. He wrote for <laughs> right. He wrote for popular. He threw me oh. off there. Yeah, sorry That's about right. that. So Chris. I've been trying to talk him into coming out here and teaching. I'm like, okay. come on out. I'll put you up. You're like, <laughs> Germany. Are you telling me you can't go to Hawaii? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's been crazy busy, he said. But I guess Offer they're him good beer. Yeah. That's what I said. I said, I said, dude, I've got a guest house. Come on out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because I'd love to start to organize some speakers and people to come out here and get the community excited about stuff like that again. No, that's excellent. Uh, yeah, it'd be fun. That said, guys, you could always come out and do a podcast if you want. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. Believe it or not, Hawaii, we're really getting off topic here, but Hawaii is the only place remotely tropical that I have any desire to go to. Really? Yeah, what you're describing as the wonder of finding the vacation home and spending the rest of your life there and all that, mm-hmm. that's Maine for me. 
I understand that. I was a New England girl. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I but could... my wife is constantly talking about going down the Caribbean and I want none of it. Like, I just, I, I, I would just, I shoot myself. Like, it's the most boring and tedious thing I can imagine. But for some reason, Hawaii holds an allure for me. Maybe it's the fact that it's like a four hour or rather four day flight to get there. Yes. <laughs> now, that said, Maine, mm-hmm. keep in mind, you're a young man still. But when you're 65 and suddenly look out the window and go, I got to shovel snow, See, it's not going to sound so great. I, I'm going to share with you the same thing I tell my wife is that we will have planned our retirement properly when we can afford to have someone shovel our driveway. Shovel our, exactly. That's what that's what 15-year-old boys are for. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I had a guy ask me when, as my son was cutting the grass today, how, how old can you start them cutting the grass? I said, well, he's, he's 13, and I think this is it. So uh, 13. <laughs> Because I can't wait. And I said, it really is nice, you know, because he's excited because he gets to ride the mower and, and drive oh, around. See, that's and... the kiss of death. Not why? Because when you have a ride on low mower, you can never justify a landscaper. Uh, sure, I could. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could. They could fix my lawn. I'll cut it, but they can fix it. I'm not going to have a crew come back and forth. But, anyway. you know, to, re- to return to the, the, the cold thing, yes. Um, yes. that is an argument. My wife, not not an argument, but a discussion my wife and I have frequently. Um, but we were in Maine this spring, and she turned to me at one point and said, I, "Okay, I get it." Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, it is, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely cool. amazing. Yeah. What what part of Maine do you like? Um, personally, I'm happy anywhere on the coast, and to a large degree, I use Maine. Well, I understand there are differences, um, but I do use Maine as a metaphor for New England. Gotcha. Um, but what I would really like is somewhere where I can see the water. I don't need so to have Algon- – what's that? Not Algonquin maybe or, or Kenny Bunkport kind of stuff, that kind of area. I, I, something about – I just kind of turn my nose up at that. Like that's, that strikes me as too snooty. Um, you don't, you don't want to hang out with the bushes? I don't really, know. Okay. Um, what I want to do is stand in my den with a wall made of windows out at the sea during a torrential storm. And like wear a smoking jacket and a pipe. That's what I, that's really what I want. The pipe? Really? Smoking uh, I jacket? I a cigar, but. <laughs> a, hand um, car- a hand carved pipe. Yeah. I, I mean, ultimately, a, I want from, a smoking From a tree that, so. fell, that fell in your own garden, <laughs> in your own backyard, when struck by lightning during the last storm. Yes, or it, it was made from a tree I took off the, the estate at Monticello. Exactly. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. But no, it's like that. If I could have anything in the world, like I would, I will be living it when I have a view of the water that I can just, just from the comfort and warmth of my own home, watch torrential weather out there. Like that's, that's what I want. I don't care where that is really, as long as it's cold. Gotcha. Anyway, now it's your turn on the couch. <laughs> uh, so we'll 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 do the five questions in a oh. little bit and we'll get into exactly how you started Allie. but let me talk to you about what you like to build i know you're making pieces for the theater and i'm assuming that to, for the most part they're what's needed for a given play but all things being equal you got time in the shop you have whatever material you need what do you want to build um i'm i'm actually want to build more furniture because i'm enjoying learning how to do that um at first, I was doing a lot of like little artsy projects and just dovetailing and, you know, just trying to do interesting joint joinery. And while I enjoy that, I kind of like doing something that works. I also do a lot of 
big outdoor projects, which are fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like a full scale Japanese um, tea fence, a tea, tea gate. Okay. Um, I've done large pieces to hold an outdoor gong. I've done outdoor benches and, and things that are a little more clunky, but I like it, you know, with like big through joint, you know, big through pinned mortises. Like timber tenet. framing type stuff. Yeah, you know, and it's been really fun. So I'm trying to learn a little bit more like that. I started to play with slab work. I did my first small little project where I just bought like a, you know, a live edge piece of wood and just kept the live edge kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And it's really fascinating to me. I'd love the look of it. Um, So I'd love to learn a little bit more of that. I just picked up an interesting book that was recommended uh, on Japanese joinery. Okay. And when it and when it showed up, she, she just looked at me and goes, "Okay." I mean, it's literally <laughs> no. I mean, it's like a it's, it's like a tome. You know, this it's got to be like four thousand pages translated oh from from Japanese. You know, <laughs> it's like Which a, is probably cheaper to ship to you than from the U.S. <laughs> yes. So it's just this giant book, and it's really interesting though. But you know, the first hundred and fifty pages don't even talk about joinery. It talks about the tools, the care of your tool, how to use a tool how to look at wood, what's in, you know, it's like the first 150 pages. They don't even get into, they don't even get into joinery yet. (laughs) So it's interesting. Um, So I guess that's kind of some of the stuff, but I don't tie myself down to any one thing really. I mean, the stuff I'm not interested, it's it's more, it's more what I'm not interested in making because I just, it doesn't appeal to me. Like I'm amazed by the stuff that people can do. Uh, what's his name is doing this amazing high boy right now. David. Uh, this guy, David. High book. I said, how am going to get the name oh, wrong? Uh, how? Uh, yeah. Or something like that. Or something like that. He's doing yeah, this oh, really amazing. His, his period work is, is stunning. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I know it's something I'm never going to do, mm. you know, and I don't even aspire to do it. It's just, you know, now, it's not, but, You'll never do it because it just seems it seems too too beyond your skill, or you'll never do it because while you recognize it as art, it's not art you want to make. Both, really both, because I think it calls for a particular type of skills that I don't have, um, and not skills. If I have, you know, in a finite time you have in your life, and you want to learn certain skills, there are different skills I'd rather learn. Mm, I understand. Than, than that. I mean, I went to, it was a great line, um, went to the French polishing class last year at, okay. um, at WIA. Okay. Was and the Fred first Roman's class, whose class was that? No, it was another guy, really interesting guy. I can't remember his name. Um, and I feel guilty because I shared a camp with him back to the airport. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but I love the first thing he said in the class is, why do you want to learn this? <laughs> He said, you know, I'm doing it 40 years. I'm still not gotten it. He goes, you, most of you will never get this just so you understand, mm-hmm. just so you accept that it's a, you know, it's a, it's an, it's a skill and an art. And it, and it's sort of what I looked at. I took it to see the, the art form and see how it's done. Knowing full well, I can't imagine putting in the time and effort it would take to do that. Right. Right. You know, so, cause one, Again, I don't make I don't do woodworking for a living. I do it because it's fun. When it stops being fun, or if I'm like, "Oh, you're too frustrated," I don't want to do it. Yeah, I don't yeah, want why would I, you do it at that point. Right, 
you know, I, there's a challenge and then there's, what are you kidding yourself? Come on. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You're, you're talking to the girl who said, why don't they have dust in their rooms? You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> that's my ultimate goal. I want to do dust-free work. Let me just ask you about your shop setup then uh, yes. along that regard. Um, yes. Because while, as we talked about, I still have dust spreading from my table saw. Um, I have relatively recently put proper dust collection in the shop and it's a revelation. So not yes. specifically your dust collection, but how is your shop, shop set up? What do you have to work with? Um, well, it's funny. You said something before and I giggled because you said you cleaned up your shop for the first time in a long time. I clean my shop almost every day. <laughs> like when I finish work, I leave an hour and a half, an hour to an hour and a half at the end of every day that I'm working. Wow, it's to good to leave a Maui because I don't know if I have an hour and a half a day to work. Seriously, well, I you know you leave. What I'm saying is, if, if I only have three, if I only have four hours in the shop that day, then I only work for three of them or three and a half, and leave a half an hour or an hour to clean. Because I was always taught a clean shop's a safe shop. <laughs> um, okay. That's what I was always taught, so I stuck with it. Right now, um, my shop has got it's got a um, t- ma- ma- major piece of the table saw in the middle, which is a saw stop. I finally splurged and bought myself one of those two years ago. I heard you got a deal. I got a great deal. <laughs> I actually got an amazing. Do you want to hear about this deal? This is sometimes living in Hawaii is good. Saw stop the Oahu shop. There's one on the big uh, on the, on the island of Oahu, which is a different island. Mm-hmm. Saw Stop wanted to give the, put out a new table saw. They wanted to put out a new line, you know, and take out the one that was on display. So I wanted to buy the one and a half horsepower machine because that's what I could afford. Mm-hmm. They sold me the three horsepower off the floor with the larger out feed mm-hmm. for less. Than if I had bought the other one new, so I was like, yeah. "Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that." <laughs> they were like, because they didn't want to have to ship it. They, they didn't have someone buying it in Oahu, and they didn't want to ship it back to the mainland. So I paid the seventy bucks to ship it from Oahu to me, and uh, didn't regret it. It's, it's. I have to say, yes, it's nice that you know you don't worry about your fingers quite as much. But it's also a really good saw. Oh, it's an amazing saw. Yeah, I, I think people think it's just a gimmick, but it's not. It's actually yeah. a very, very good saw. It wouldn't have had any traction if it was just a gimmick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from from the day one it came out, it has been, I think, in terms of quality, absolutely equal with the Powermatic. Yeah. Um, and when it came out, it was equal with the Delta. I don't want to speak to what the Delta is or isn't now. But mm-hmm. um, my dad just bought... The middle one, the three horse. I, I I'm not familiar enough with the saw stop models. It's like the it's not the industrial, but the the one below. Yeah, that. the professional. The professional. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah. That's what I have. Um, that's what I, the middle. I helped him set it up, and I've played with them before, but I've never you know used one for a day. And I I used it over his house, and it is it is an amazing an amazing saw. You forget about the safety stuff for a minute. It's still an amazing saw. Yeah, the downside of that saw that you have to remember, and I learned it the hard way. Mm-hmm. Make sure your wood's not wet mm. because you blow through not just the brake but the blade. <laughs> yeah. I will say that having played with the new Bosch Reacts saw, mm-hmm. um, it, it's a different type of saw. It's a bench shop saw. I don't mean to compare them in terms of the yeah. way the saw works in any way, but I think. Is it bench shop or like job site? Uh, I would call it's it a on... bench top saw because in, uh, in my head, a contractor saw is a job site saw because if you're, right. if you're, 
Which Saw Stop just came out with a nice one. Yeah, but the Bosch's trigger mechanism mm-hmm. does not destroy the blade and fires twice before you have to replace it. So yep. every time you pull out the trigger, it's fifty dollars because the mechanism's a hundred. Whereas with the mm-hmm. with the saw stop, the mechanism's a hundred, and yeah, the, you have to buy the blade. Right. And the saw stop needs a different cartridge for data stacks. Whereas the Bosch, while it is a benchtop saw, and you might not want to run data stacks on it, yeah, the mm-hmm. the cartridge will work with a regular blade or a data stack. So right. if Bosch can introduce that license it or build their own or whatever they got to do if Bosch can put that in a full size saw I think that would be the winner yeah I'll be honest though you know even though it's expensive every time I you know when when you blow one mm-hmm. you look down at your hands and your fingers and you go yeah that's worth $200 <laughs> that yeah that's absolutely true yeah so that's the main piece what else do I have got a thickness planer DeWalt thickness planer in there uh, just a bench top jointer I wish I had a wider one but hey you know, <laughs> you do you make do with what you have. Um, I've got a drill press in the in the garage. Doesn't Shop's fit in not the shop. garage. No, I actually for the first time. You know, I'm older than you guys, so I was able to finally build a shop. Oh, so I wow. actually have a it's, it's it's a dedicated. That's all it is. It's my shop, and that makes me very happy. You know. No, you you need that space, and if you could. Make but it's it. not huge, you know. The space is uh, two hundred square feet. Okay. Oh, that's not big at all. That's that's about what I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not it's not a big space. Uh, I mean, I wish it could have been bigger. I just couldn't build any bigger on the where I was. So that's why I also clean up. I like you know, you got to put things away, or you just you're falling over stuff. The only thing I wish I. Yeah, the thing I wish I had room for, and I haven't figured out how to do it, would be a, would be a a, a bandsaw. Oh, you can. Let, uh, yeah, because to, I find I find there's so many times where I go, oh, do I wish I had a bandsaw here? To I, I say this not in any way to talk about what I have versus what someone else has, but I often hear the argument that I don't have space for it, and. If you've if people have listened to the podcast, they'll understand that I'm very no compromise in terms of the way you work. You should work the way you want to work. I don't accept the it's too loud argument, and I don't accept the I don't have space for it argument. Because um, I'm in a one-car garage. It's a, it's 9 feet 8 by 22. I have... That 20, yeah, that 22 yeah. makes a big difference, though. It does, but <laughs> I have I have a 16-inch bandsaw. I have mm-hmm. a contractor table saw with a 32-inch uh, rail. I've got a, an 8-inch joiner. I've got a cyclone dust collector. I've got a 15-inch planer. I've got a workbench. I've got a miter saw with an with a six-foot bench coming off the side. Like I've managed to squeeze real power tools into the space. And by no means am I saying it's big or roomy, but you you do what you want. So if you yeah. want a tool, you find a way to fit it in. It's just that simple. Which is what I've been doing. I've been kind of yeah. I re, I reconfigure the place all the time, just kind of going. Well, let me move that here. Let me hang that from the ceiling. Let me, you know. <laughs> So it's don't laugh. I, my, no. my 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 um my um router table is hung from the ceiling. That's that's fantastic. You, <laughs> that's I, awesome. I, I like, I, and I, I lower it when I need it. You were saying that I looked up at my ceiling and I'm trying to figure out how I could fit more on the ceiling, but my <laughs> ceiling is completely covered in everything from speakers to a dust collector, lights, yeah. and like it's just it's covered in crap. Um, but, but you use every you inch you have. Up. Right, people forget you can go up. Yeah. Wood storage upstairs, you know, it's all up. 
But yeah, I, I feel like a, ban- a bandsaw is just one of those indispensable tools that every time I find I don't have one, I'm thinking, oh, God, I wish I had one here. And it's the kind of tool you don't realize how often you'll use it until you have it. Because not mm-hmm. only will you use it all the times you're currently thinking of, but you use it three times as much on other things you're not currently thinking of. Right. But I That's- feel like a bandsaw, and you guys tell me your opinion, you really, if you're going to do that, you don't want to do like a, de- a bench well, there's no. a bunch of top ones, but you want a real one. You want like a 14 yes, inch, right? What are they, 15 inch? Or, well, you, I, in terms of Hawaii, I'm not going to even guess at what's available in the uh, in the used market. But nothing, uh, nothing. You're, you're nothing. buying new. Okay. Well, uh, there's some, but very little. There are about five million vintage <laughs> anywhere from the 40s to the 80s. Delta 14-inch cast iron bandsaws, and if you get a jet from the same vintage, it's basically the same saw, and they are rock-solid, good bandsaws. You can't go wrong with one. You might have to tune it up. If you buy some Carter guides for it, it's going to sing, and relatively cheaply, you can get your hands on a very good bandsaw. Well, Um, here's one over on the other island. I'm looking because you said so. A a Delta 14-inch. Mm-hmm. Uh, for 400. Is it, uh, how many horse? Uh, that's a good question. It doesn't say. Open or closed stand? Uh, closed stand. It's probably worth it. Yeah. It's a model, it's a 28203. I don't know my models well enough, but yeah, yeah. The, the open stand were kind of the hobbyist version. They're not bad saws, but the closed stand is just a, it's a much nicer saw. But if you're going to, if you if you resolved to buy a new saw, I'm not. Um, well, let me just pretend you are for a moment. Okay. Um, what I will say, I'm on my third bandsaw. I had, I had a rigid, which I would not recommend to anyone. It is okay for the money I paid. It was a good value, but it was by no means a good saw. I had a Steel City, which was abysmal. Um, I've heard I've heard that. Yeah, the, it was it was terrible. It, they, um, it was I can. I'm sorry to say this, but I can appreciate why they went out of business. Um, it seemed like mm. they had they had very good plans, but the 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 saw was the rigid was a better saw than the Steel City, and it shouldn't have been that way. No, wow. Um, but that being said, I currently have a Laguna, and I, the Lagunas look fabulous. Sean will attest that I've had some issues with it. I bo- I, have a, <laughs> I have a floor model, and. I seem to have blown my motor, but I've been, how's, it, how's it running? Currently? It's not. I haven't touched it since. <laughs> so I, one of the things I will do now that the shop is clean and I can reach the bandsaw is I'm going to take the motor off and have it looked at. So yeah. I need to get it fixed. So it was a floor model. I can't say whether this does or does not speak to the quality of Laguna. It is certainly a blow against it. However, what I will say is having used the regular blocks that come on most bandsaws and came on my rigid and will come on the deltas and the jets um having upgraded that to carter guide blocks and having seen how much nicer they are having used rollers on the steel city none of them can hold a candle to the ceramic guide blocks of the laguna just that one feature makes this the only brand of bandsaw i will ever buy again it is amazing how quickly I can change the blades and reset the guides. You just hold them against the blade and tighten them and it works and it tracks perfectly. It is a revelation to use. So 
regardless of any issues I may or may not have with the motor, I can only recommend the Laguna because the guide blocks are that much better than every other one in the market. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Like you said, you don't want to, that's, that's when you want to get the right one when you get it. You don't want to toy around with something that's going to be lesser than. Well, I always say I can't afford to buy it twice, so I like to buy it once correctly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, although I think I found it. Here it is. A Craftsman 12-inch Sears 1 and an eighth horsepower bandsaw. Nope. They're asking, <laughs> they're asking $5. Uh, that's, see, that's worth $5. It is worth $5. <laughs> Uh, Five dollars is good. The other day, I don't, I don't probably on Instagram, but Pesciuto, Dave Pesciuto <laughs> was at some uh, crafts or flea market or type of place, a salvage store, and saw he was talking about getting into sewing, and he saw a sewing machine for ten dollars, and he was like, "Is it worth it?" I was like, "Who cares? It's ten dollars. Like, no, exactly. Even if it never works, right. it's ten bucks." So I think I think there's a banto in your future. It probably is, but I'm not allowed to tell anyone that. <laughs> Just cover it in dust. I know. <laughs> I, I wait until she goes on a business trip. No, just... <laughs> nah, that's been in there all along. What are you talking about? I've always had that. <laughs> and look what it can do. And, you, yes. and then you got to show it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you, those are, yeah, the uh, don't ask, don't tell is a very good policy when it comes to tool purchases. Um, <laughs> yeah. I drove... kind of, well, you know, she was laughing when I moved my stuff from the mainland. Uh-huh. I said, I am just going to, I basically rented an eight by eight by eight moving pod. Okay. That's it. Eight feet. I said, if it doesn't fit in there, it doesn't go. I sell it. I said, my entire life, eight by eight by eight. Guess what the first thing I put in there was? Uh, saw of some sort. My drill press. Okay. <laughs> and I'm talking a big old industrial, you know, uh, just a beautiful. <laughs> I'd had it for like 15 years. This thing was, I got it from a machine shop. It was insane. It was beautiful. But I was like, why are you taking that? It weighed, I don't know, 500 pounds. <laughs> well, were they, were, I guess ultimately they were charging it by weight, right? No. Oh. They, it's all by volume, not well, by weight. You should have bought a second drill press. I trust me. I th- most of the stuff that was in there ended up being tools and stuff that I was just like, I didn't want to give up. You know, I'm like, no, I'm keeping that. No, no I completely understand. Yeah. So, but it was, you know, how do you hide that? <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry. No, I diverged. That, that's, that is the beauty of this conversation is it can go anywhere it goes. And sometimes we've spent entire episodes talking about the best way to post on various social media. We talk about skill sets. We talk about a little bit of everything because woodworking leads there. Um, yes. But... What I would like to do, if you don't mind, Allie, is try to begin wrapping this up. So um, the next broadcast topic is uh, for the next two episodes following this, we are going to be talking with some very cool presenters from Woodworking America. I was talking with Megan and I asked if there was anybody that we could talk to, and she hooked us up with Nancy Hiller and Alf Breed and Sean as you respond to the emails quicker than I do, mm-hmm. could you tell me who is next and who's the second one? I believe Nancy Hiller is the next. Nancy Hiller is next. I think that is right. And then Alf Breed. So um, Nancy seems to be very good. I'm not making any promises, but I've not met her yet. But she seems to be a wonderful 
a woodworker and should be a very nice discussion. And Alf is just a hoot and the salt of the earth. He is a, a really <laughs> sweet guy. So I'm really looking forward to talking uh, for some time with Alf. So that'll be coming up in the coming weeks before WIA. Yeah, she's got an amazing background. I actually was bummed I'm not going to see her at, at the woodworking this year. Mm, I, I, I've not really looked into her background. I've seen a bunch of her work, and I know that Megan has the utmost respect for her. So I'm sure she absolutely knows what she's doing. So it'll be it'll be fun to talk to her. And if if uh, if you, Allie, or anyone else has any questions or knows anything about Nancy that they want us to mention or ask about, uh, please let us know, and we'll be happy to. Absolutely. Um, but. Uh, Kind of going on in the in the greater woodworking community, Sean, you want to talk about what those those guys over at Woodtalk have done? Yeah, so they have a Patreon, and if you if you, I'm going to guess if you listen to podcasts, you know what Patreon is because I it's it's a growing trend. Um, it's a it's a, it is what it sounds like. It's a way of helping fund what you're getting. There's a lot of you know ways of thinking about it. Um, as as they say, as I pulled up here, Wood, Wood Talk is the longest running woodworking audio show on the web, and we couldn't do it without you. And they go on and on and and uh, pardon me, they um it's a it's a it's a way that you can can give a little bit of a uh, of money uh, to people that entertain you. In this case, mm-hmm. uh, you know if you're getting I I like um there's a couple people I I listen to that that it's a uh, what is it? it's a value for value model. I'm sure you've heard that, Tommy. Well, I'm I've I'm very familiar with Patreon. Uh, I've actually never heard it described that way. Yeah, I, so I mean, that's it a very is. fitting. I would agree with that, but that 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 actual phrase is new to me. So it, it's the thinking that it, it things like this, like a podcast that you're listening to, it's free. It's available everywhere. But we that do it, it takes time and a little, a little bit of equipment and money to to do it, and and all that's coming out of the kindness of our own pocketbook. Um, but if you, as a listener who's consuming this, if you get some value, give a little value back. It's just a kind of give a penny, take a penny kind of situation. Absolutely. And it doesn't need, and it's not, it's not a subscription. It's not anything. It's just like, Hey, you know, here's a chance that if you, you give us a few cents here or there, you, you're helping us and then hopefully it's breaking the bank. Yeah. And I'll say that, you know, as a producer of a podcast of lesser quality, um, <laughs> it's not free to make these things. I mean, it's not, it's not breaking the bank. I'm not, I'm not crying to anybody, but, um, you know, I'm staring at a few hundred dollars worth of equipment and the, uh, the hosting fees don't pay for themselves. So if you like one of these podcasts that does, uh, Patreon, I would absolutely encourage you to to show your support and put your money where your mouth is and cover them. And I can't think of a better podcast to support than would talk. Absolutely. No, and they and they all of them do it. They, I see, they've got a a goal to uh, broadcast live shows weekly if they get to a certain, you know, basically Patreon level. Mm. You know, if they get enough people saying they're going to give them a buck, you know, it's easy. You know, what's what's a dollar? Hey, it's a dollar. If a hundred people give a dollar, all of a sudden, boom, you got a hundred dollars. And uh, so they, they, there's goals involved in all this. But yeah, check them out. You know, we love them. I hope you guys do too. Yeah, I, I I find it very hard to believe that there's a listener to this show who doesn't know about Wood Talk. Yeah, I think that's a pretty um, true statement. And another, they're actually they're actually doing really well. Their goal was 400 a month, and they have 327 already. Okay, yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was talking with Mark about it, and I was just you know he and I have both been kind of reluctant to jump on Patreon, mm-hmm. and 
I think Matt kind of convinced them to get on it. And I was asking Mark, you know, how are they going to do? And Mark was like, well, just watch the page and you can tell. Uh, yeah. At the time, they had two subscribers, but they had just set it up. So I've not checked back in since then. But I, I can't believe that they won't do phenomenally well because they are far and away the woodworking podcast. And the community is very supportive. And that's the great thing about the community. So I would be shocked if their Patreon does not succeed. Yep. Um, but another podcast that I'm sure every listener of ours also listens to is Windows Weekly put out on the Twit Network. Um, don't we all? I don't know about you guys, but I love my weekly fix of Microsoft news. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do. So I, I don't really appreciate this laughter from. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Here. Um, for uh, for Neil Becker and anyone else who may listen to this and listen to Windows Weekly, um, Mary Jo Foley, one of the hosts of Windows Weekly, is a phenomenal Microsoft reporter, for those who are interested, and she is also a phenomenal beer enthusiast. And I had the opportunity to hang out with Mary Jo about a month, month and a half ago, and I was talking about how Every week on Windows Weekly, she has a beer choice, certainly tangential to Microsoft, but it's one of her pursuits and it's in, it's appreciated by the audience. And she and I were discussing it. And the reason I go through this whole story is because she encouraged and gave me the blessing to incorporate a beer pick on our show because I didn't want to be directly copying her without clearing it with her. Um, so with this episode... Uh, we're going to introduce a fortnightly beer choice. Now, by no means, in fact, we're discouraging, we're not encouraging, we are discouraging the use of any alcohol while you're woodworking, because that would be dangerous and stupid. Uh, however, if you're sitting around talking with friends about woodworking or listening to woodworking, why not enjoy a cold one? So that was a rather long introduction to our <laughs> fortnightly choices. So with that, I'll pass it over to you, Sean. I kind of sprung this on you tonight, but I presume you are with me as I know you are also a beer enthusiast. I am. Um, so <clears throat> what would you like to recommend tonight? So tonight, I, uh, as I was, I was telling you earlier, I, uh, I have the last of my, uh, my six-pack of Shorts Brewery, Shorts Brewing Company, I believe, uh, Nicey, which is an American wheat ale, um, it's got some orange zest and coriander and spices in it. It's pretty darn good. It's not overly sweet, which some of these can uh, tend to be. Um, little hops going in it, but uh, and I don't want to go too beer nerdy because we. I know we can, but it's you good. Can deeper than I. I know what I like, but I I can't do, <laughs> I can't do the talk. Okay, um, but it's uh it's good, and I don't know there. Uh, I don't know where you can find it. Because it it just recently got here. I live right near the Michigan border, so I could always drive about fifteen minutes away and get it. But mm. um, and this is a seasonal brew; it's not all the time. But I'm finding it in my local beer cellar now. So if you if you can get it, I highly recommend it. That is excellent. Let me just check one thing. Nice dead air while I check a beer. Um. <laughs> No, you said it's available in Michigan, and I just wanted to double check. I assume this was the case, but I want to be sure. Um, Vanderlist is Vanderlist's site. That's not easy to say. Is mm -hmm. absolutely still up. Matt's Basement Workshop, and he is a native Michiganian. 
Michigander. Michigander. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sure if you throw Matt a whole bunch of money, he'll pick you up one. Oh, I'm sure. I'm and sure. I would encourage actually... you to throw Matt a bunch of money no matter what. So <laughs> um, tell Matt we sent you and see if he can get you some shorts brewing. Yeah, it's good. They, and they, um, I, I put a link to this particular beer on their website. But if um, if you follow that and check out all their other brews, they have a long list. They're very creative. Uh, so if you're into uh, experimentation, check them out. And based on the uh, the delightful response when we were talking about that as we brought our guest on, not everyone is into the bizarre <laughs> experimentation no. they do. Uh, I can kind of support that lack of enthusiasm. But um, still, sounds like a brain worth checking out. Um, mm-hmm. What I want to recommend is from Allagash, who is a fantastic microbrew out of, of all places, Maine. Um. And they have a uh, a double, which is some sort of Belgian ale. Uh, I'm as I said, I, I don't talk the talk. I'm not sophisticated enough to tell you exactly how they make a double, but they they make a double which is good. But they have limited release doubles. And uh, while I was on vacation recently, I had the double reserve batch one one three, and it was absolutely amazing. Smooth, sweet. Not what I was expecting, but a delightful surprise. So if you happen to see Allagash, everything they make is very good. Um, but the double reserve batch 113, or I suspect any other double reserve batch, absolutely worth picking up. I'm going to look for it. Yeah. Now, Allie, we kind of sprung this on you, but I know... Maui that- Brewing Company, Bikini Blonde Lager. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Not the greatest beer on earth, but it's a good drink. It's made here on Maui. And let's face it, if you're sitting on a beach staring at a sunset, it all tastes good. I will agree with everything you just said. I had it for the first time last week. So you get it? I was just going to ask. Oh, yeah, we get know. it here. You don't get okay. it? Okay. I, I got I, I to look it up to see. Is it, does it come in cans or bottles? Cans? Uh, can. cans, yeah. It's a can. I have to look for it. I don't know if I've seen that. Yeah. Maui Brewing makes, uh, they make an IPA, they make a wheat, they make a porter. The porter's a little weird. Some of the stuff is a little weird. You know, they do a coconut porter. They do, um, they've got one right now, it's a blood orange. <laughs> so they do some kind of bizarre stuff. But the Bikini Blonde Lager is nice. You know, it's a canned beer, works on a beach, that, cold and good. That is excellent. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of really good beers coming out in cans these days. Um, yeah. So nothing wrong with a canned beer. All right, Sean, now that we're all drinking, where can people find us? Hold on, let me get back there. <laughs> um, Come on, really, you know where they can find us. No, I know where they can find us. Uh, you know, we're, uh, hold on, we're going to be at Woodworking in America. Yeah, we kind of uh, beat that horse dead, but yes, we will be there. That's, I'm that's, not, that's, I'm so well, upset. Allie, I know. I can't get there this year. I, and I, was, I was impressed, because when did, I think I met you in Winston-Salem. Were you in Winston-Salem? Me? Yes. No? No, no, no. Last year was the first year for me. Where did I uh, met? You you two just interacted so much over Twitter that you think you've met her. Okay. I could have swore I met you. Anyway. No. All right. So I I think it's an excuse enough if you live off the mainland that it's hard to get to Cincinnati. Yeah. Travel travel plans aside, I think it's just difficult. It's it's as, as likely as me to get to Maui. As for you to come to Ohio, I totally understand. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to explain to people that you go to the mainland and then you say Ohio. And they're like, <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, what? What? Yeah. 
No, and I and I live in the flat part of Ohio. It's even more boring. Less, less appeal. I, I do. I everyone that comes to here, I ask. You know, like, where are you from? Oh, you know, so and so. Why are you here? Why are you here? <laughs> How the hell did you land in this place? Anyway, anyway. but no, we Dami and I will be. Uh, and as we mentioned before, with our meetup, check it out. Uh, again, we've got links all over the place. Um, we're going to have a meetup before WIA, right after registration, and then the event itself will be there. I got to duck out a little early, but I will be there. It's going to be a blast as always. And uh, we'll be running around with with a with a blue microphone. So come see us. Yeah, we're going to stick it in your face and ask you questions. All right, so Sean, what yeah. do we do? <laughs> that wraps us up, doesn't it? Yes, that, that does wrap us up. Oh, so if you're missing us already, you can subscribe us subscribe to the show on iTunes or on Google Play Music. Just search the Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you've subscribed, you'll never, you'll never miss an exciting episode. While you're there, please leave us a comment or a review. And thank you for listening to the Modern Woodworkers Association. If you like the show, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You can like the MWA on Facebook or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. The best thing you can do is tell a woodworking friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing the discussion. All right. I'm Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Woodshop Workshop uh, at SeanW78 on Twitter, on Facebook. Find me. And Allie, before we go, um, I certainly want to let you say goodbye, but is there anywhere online where people should be following you? Should be following me? There's no place in the world people should be following me. If they're interested in my every now and then bizarre rants, I'm at uh, Allie at Nerd Chick Allie on Twitter. At Nerd Chick Allie. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. I will I will say it is well worth you. You are well worth following there. I enjoy your, oh. your discussion. <clears throat> oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> it goes everywhere from politics to um, wood, woodworking. So. <laughs> They're they're related, aren't they? Absolutely, a lot of woodhead people, a lot of people who would like to hit with a hammer. So anyway, <laughs> and with that, um, <laughs> I'm Diami Plotky of PenultimateWoodshop.com. I am at Diami Plotky on the Twitter, and you can find me on the Facebook and the Google Plus and any other social media I can put the in front of. In, in, improperly, exactly. <laughs> and you can always check us out at at. MWA underscore national on all those social medias, most of them at least. Well, at least on Twitter. Everywhere yes. else would just modern woodworkers. I just modern woodworkers association on Facebook. Correct. Um, so with that, follow us, enjoy, listen, thank you, and uh, go make something fun in your shop. There you go.